As we know, there was a concept in the, we find throughout the Torah of what's called ritual impurity, what, what uh, um, in Hebrew is called Tumah and Tara, in the language of the Torah itself, Tumah and Tara. And most forms of ritual impurity, that was part of everyday life during the, throughout, um, I guess, till the end of the Second Temple period. Um, but more or less, they weren't so, they might have been a little disruptive to the rhythm of life, but they weren't necessarily catastrophic in the sense of your life was totally disrupted. Yeah, you had a, um, you couldn't touch certain things, you couldn't come to the temple, no prayer, you know, things like that. Um, couldn't come to certain spots on the Temple Mount. Um, but they didn't, they, again, like we're saying, minor, minor disruptions, you couldn't take part in Corbanos and things like that, but they weren't the sense of shutting down your life. Um, the notable exception was Tzarat, which if you had this form of what the Torah calls an impurity, um, again, many, as we're going to see, many translate Tzarat in different translations of the Bible, including some Jewish translations. Um, they translate errone erroneously as leprosy or Hansen's disease, but as we'll see, that, that um, clearly was proven to be a wrong translation. Um, but but uh, this Sarat, clearly, as we're going to see, was a total disruption of your life. Um, so, um, much different than the other Tumas, than the other impurities we find. And one of the main things the Torah discusses in, there's two parshas, by the way, last week, as we know, was a double header. We read Tazria and Mitzorah, both parshas extensively, more or less, and the only topic they discuss is this topic of this ritual impurity known as Tzaras, and uh, get heavily involved, very detailed, in describing the disease and all the ramifications of the disease and the purification process, which involved the Kohen. But one of the main things it mentions in chapter 13, verse 45, it says, and there was different forms of the Tzaraz, one of the things it mentions says, Vatsarua, read in the Hebrew and translate from the art scroll, Vatsarua Sheboha Nega Begadav, says the and the person with saras they art scroll as usual whenever there's a um some type of controversy as to the translation of the word they just transliterate it and don't really translate the word that's the easy way out so they um they translate here the and the person with saras in whom there is the affliction his garments shall be torn the hair of his head shall be unshorn and he shall cloak himself up to his lips, which is, that's what I want to translate, we'll see soon as the actual face mask that he wore. The, the Mitzorah wore this face mask, and he is to call out, contaminated, contaminated. Um, and all the days with the affliction is upon, is upon him, he shall remain contaminated. He shall dwell in isolation. Again, this was quarantine, so we have two parts of the current pandemic here. For the Mitzorah, one is the, so the Torah says he has to wear a face mask, and he dwells in isolation, his dwelling shall be outside the camp. So interestingly enough, even though he was in quarantine, they still required him to wear a face mask, um, even though he was um, separated. And as we'll see, there's a debate whether all the Mitzvahs stayed together. Um, just like today, there's a question, do you, can you isolate people with COVID-19 in one place together, or they have to be separated? Um, so so that's, a, that's a debate here too. But in any case, you see very similarly um, to what we what is going on today. Again, the Torah written thousands of years ago, literally addressing this very similar aspect um, of this person being isolated in quarantine outside the city. In those days, they would put him outside the city, and also requiring him to wear a face mask. And we'll see many other 
aspects. His clothes, the Torah mentions later on, his clothes were burnt after he was designated as a Mitzvah. He wasn't allowed to wear the same clothing. Literally many aspects that we're finding today of our pandemic, um, again, this, was a, this wasn't necessarily a pandemic, this was a personal disease, an individual disease, but um, many of the medical applications of today, of how we deal with this person um, and how it disrupted his life, his or her life was is was going on very very much so back then. Um, so I want to address it from the. I want to show you all the different commentaries and how they describe this, this this again quote unquote disease and um, is it spiritual? Is it a medical disease? And also um, how um, specifically I want to focus on the also the philosophical parts, but uh, also this face mask which was new to me. Again, I just discovered this last week, although it was an explicit pasik that I just missed over the years. Um, but due to our current situation, I happen to notice this. In any case, so, so the, the, the... First of all, the Talmud says very clearly, Gemara and Erechen describes very clearly that this disease came about, and as Jews, we don't like, uh, it's not politically correct, we don't like talking about, but um, in a certain sense, as Jews, we believe disease can come about because of a person's actions. And here very clearly, again, assuming this was a disease, a medical disease, it might not have been, as we'll see, but Talmud says it, the cause of Taras um, is a punishment for seven, no less than seven various sins. Okay, and the list the Talmud says is in Tractate Erechen. Talmud says uh, one is, the famous one is Lashon Hara, that this, sin, this disease comes about, the skin malady comes about for speaking uh, Lashon Hara, Malicious gossip, um, speaking negatively about another person, even if it's true, is the Dola of Lashnara. Number two, it comes for murder. Number three, the Gemara says, is a false oath, a oath taken in vain. Um, we always have to throw in sexual immorality, that's always in there on the list. Um, so elicit, elicit sexual relationships. Um, Gava, that the, the, the Gemara mentions, which is um, haughtiness, pride. Theft. And the last thing is what the Gemara calls um, Sarat Ayn, um, which means like a miser, selfish, miserly behavior. Um, which, uh, interestingly enough, the, the two that we're going to focus on, which seems to be the most everyone focuses on for some reason, are these two, which is Lashanara. Sin is known to come for Lashanara. I have to mute someone who's making too much noise, Shelly. You're eating, you're crunching too loudly, Shell. I'm muting you. Okay, but I'm also going to mute you. You're, you're uh, what they call mashing too. You could, you're mashing too loudly. I'm just saying you're... I'm going to pick who I'm going to mute. Shall you ever... I'm going to pick on you today. Okay. You're mashing very loudly. Um, the yogurt. It's the yogurt. Um, okay, so... Uh, so anyway, the, the, uh, the, the two ones seemed like the Roshonim focus on specifically is this the issue of, of Lashon Hara, which by the way, the word Tzarat they're saying is a compilation of two words. There's a fancy name for that. I don't remember what the English word or what the compilation of the two words are. And when a word is, consists of a compilation, it's called a poor I wrote this down, portmanteau. Yes, thank you Russ. That's why we need you here. Um, portmanteau is the English word. I don't know what the root is. Yeah. 
um, for a compilation of, of a word that comes from a compilation of two words. So Tsaras is a portmanteau of one is Motsi Ra. So, sorry, one second. Tsara, Motsi Ra. Um, Mitsora, sorry. Mitsora, the word Mitsora is a compilation of Motsi Ra. That's one way, which, again, because the cause of it was saying is Lashanara. The second thing is um, the word Sarat Ayin. Sarat Ayin. Um, mitzoraz from the word tzarat ayin, exactly how, which means again it's a begrudging eye. Um, in um, in uh, in Yiddish, there's a great word for it. Because I couldn't find an English. There is no English translation for this word. It's called it's called frag, not fraginning someone. Fraginning is the Yiddish word. Anyone speak Yiddish here? Can help us maybe translate that word. Fraginning means um, to fragin someone means is. I'm okay with the success of someone else. I know if this is just a, I don't want to be racist here, just a Jewish behavior or, or uh, so it's a human trait in general, which is when someone else is doing better than you, it's hard for us to, to appreciate their success. That's called to fragin someone. Words, even though he's doing better than me, it's okay, I'm, I'm happy for his success. Most, uh, I don't know, again, I don't know if it's just a Jewish uh, Ill disease or it's a general human trait that it's very hard for humans to, for us to appreciate when someone is doing better. Bothers us when someone's doing better. I can be happy with my life, meaning I have uh, my nice car, a nice house, I'm making enough money to live on. But if this guy's doing better, I'm not happy about it. Uh, he is still must be uh, cheating on his taxes. Must be doing something wrong. Right, so that's called fraginning, not fraginning someone. So that's, the Gemara says that's a terrible sin. Sorry, it's, the Gemara calls that saras ayin, a stingy eye, so to speak. You know, that's selfishness. You know, what do you care if the other guy is more successful than you? What's the problem? Enjoy, you can enjoy, be happy for his success too. So that, it says, is a cause for saras. This concept is also a cause for saras. Um, not forgetting um, your friend or your relative, whoever it is. So it's a fascinating concept to human uh, psychology, but not for today. This is not a psychology class. It's a medical ethics class. So um, anyway, so, so uh, but, it, but it is relevant. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. It comes in later on. So in the philosophy of it. Of what? The opposite of what? Translate, that's German, not Yiddish. I only know Yiddish. I don't know German. Oh, okay, yeah, it's, that's part of it, right? Meaning, we're. we're so yeah, but that might have been. I'm not even sure there's the same. This is my. The, yeah, no, but I'm saying is this is. The problem here is when someone succeeds, you're not happy. You, you can't frag in their success. That they're. It's sort of that they're doing better for you, better than you. That's what it is. So it's, it's a. No, it's not. I'm not. I'm not saying I want to be in their position. I just can't be happy that they're succeeding. Envy means I want what they have. I'm very happy. I have a nice house, nice car, nice wife. I'm good. It's only that. I, so I'm not envying. I don't want what they have per se. I just can't stand the fact that they're more successful than me. You understand? No, no, it's not. It's not envy. Coveting means I want what they have. I don't want what they have. I'm very happy. I like my house. I just, the fact that they're more successful bothers me. No, envious, coveting in the Torah sense means I want what they have. Okay, I want his wife, I want his car, I want his house. I don't want his house. I love my job, I love what I do, but just that he is, uh, you know, more famed than me. 
you know what I mean? It bothers me that he that he's people like him better or people you know what I mean? It's different than envy, as far as I understand. Nate, are you gonna say it? You're gonna explain that? Okay. Thank you. Okay, so so uh, again, so this is the these seven reasons that Talmud lists for Taras. Um, um, as we're saying is when it, when there was a person received this conclusive diagnosis, he more or less his life uh, ground to halt, and he would have to, as we said, cover his face, live in quarantine, etc. So it was totally his life was over, as many of us today. Um, uh, our lives have ground to a halt. So now if you look, and I'm going to start with uh, modern-day um, um, uh, commentary, which is of Hirsch, um, in, in, his, in his book, Hirsch on Chumash, discusses this at great length, and I'll just read you some quotes from what he says. He says, The laws of Negoim, of Negoim which is the Hebrew term for these, this type of affliction, more than all other parts of the Torah, have served as a source for the erroneous notions about the, quote, sanitary purpose of Mosaic law, end quote. Meaning, you see, he puts him in quarantine. Indeed, at first glance, there would appear to be support for such a notion, for seemingly the discussion here is of disease, a contagious disease. Those stricken with it must be quarantined. So why should that be done if not to prevent contagion? It is claimed that this is sufficient evidence to determine the character of these laws. Their whole purpose, as it were, is to protect the health of the people, and the Kohen and who minister in this realm are merely expert physicians. And if from the long list of human diseases, just this one disease, quote-unquote leprosy, was singled out, and against it alone were those strict regulations adapted, then it is claimed the reason is that this was one, well, one horrible disease. One of the, the question is, why specifically was this disease singled out in the Torah, from which the Jews suffered most of all? And then there must be some foundation to, to, to see this tall tale that the Jews were expelled from Egypt because they were carriers of leprosy. It seems like some said that, that one of the reasons the Jews were expelled from Egypt was because of this disease. Um, let us now examine, so he goes on here and he examines, he says, let us now examine the laws of the Goim, the principal and salient details to determine whether there's justification for classifying them as sanitary regulations. Okay, and he goes on to prove from various laws that clearly it has nothing to do with, um, with anything, to, with contagion. Someone has to be muted here, I'm not sure who. Someone's giving me feedback. Um, so he, he goes on to say, he says, after bearing, bringing various proofs, first of all, one of the main proofs is he says that the Kohanim were the ones that dealt with this. And other Rishonim, I saw this today, I believe in the Barbanel, which was an early authority, says very clearly the same thing. He says, why in the world would Kohanim deal with this if this is a medical disease? You know, the Torah says, rappel your rap, eh? the Barbanel says, that we should use doctors. All of a sudden here, we're, we're saying, no doctors, the Kohen is the one that declares the disease, the Kohen the one that checks him seven days later after his quarantine, and is all involved with Kohenim. The whole process is Kohenim. He says it's, it doesn't make any sense. Clearly it's not a medical disease. That's one of the main proofs, because why would we use a Kohen as opposed to a doctor? We're not against doctors. Um, and not against physicians. So that's one of the things the Barbanel already says, and also um, Rav Hirsch here dwells upon this without quoting the Barbanel. He obviously did not see the Barbanel, but he says it on his own similarly. So he says um, also the fact that it, it was in houses and clothing and other areas, it clearly is not just a, a plain skin malady. So he says it's all about Tuma and Tara, laws of purity and impurity. Um, so he says that here, he says, these and similar 
considerations, I'm reading from Hirsch again, lead us to the clear conclusion that it's impossible to maintain that this chapter deals with the cure and prevention of disease. It is inconceivable that the Kohanim served in the role of providing health care. For nowhere in this chapter do they take any remedial measures. He also shows how anything the Kohen did was nothing to do with um, remedial measures. If anything, he says it could have made the disease worse, some of the things they did. As a matter of fact, the symptoms described in this chapter have nothing at all in common with the skin diseases described in scientific medical writings under the heading leper or leprosy. Whereas the latter start with an inflammatory swelling that destroys the skin, darkens its color, our negayim consists solely of white patches on the skin. He goes on to explain the difference between this and between the Torah's description of this disease and, and leprosy. Accordingly, we have been long been convinced that the laws of confinement and expulsion which the Torah imposes on the Metzorah are in no way intended to prevent infection. And then he quotes, fascinatingly, this is written in 1868, he quotes from a report on leprosy by the Royal College of Physicians, um, reproduced in the journal Ostland, which I'm assuming is a, ger- a, medical, a German medical journal in 1868, number 14, in case you want to look, in case you might still have that journal on hand. Um, filed by a commission appointed by the British government to investigate the alarming increase in the number of cases of the quite common occurrence of leprosy in the British colonies. He says the investigation resulted in the finding that leprosy, even in its most terrible form, is not at all infectious. He says, first of all, according to this royal uh, report on leprosy by the Royal College in 1868, leprosy is not infectious. So the whole thing, he says, is false to say that the, our Torahs are referring to leprosy and they put him in quarantine because it's infectious. He says, the report continues, the all-important question, he's quoting from the report, for the government is whether this disease is contagious or not. There can be no doubt that the Jews consider this is the royal um, report on leprosy, royal college report on leprosy, royal college of physicians, um, he says, is quoting, he says, they can be no doubt that the Jews consider it to be so, and that the strictest quarantine was imposed upon those who contracted it, meaning they're assuming the Torah is referring to leprosy. Nevertheless, it seems probable from several indications that the Jews of old classed all skin diseases as leprosy, and accordingly, people who were affected by the contagious disease of modern Europe, such as measles, scarlet fever, or smallpox, were included in the laws of quarantine for leprosy. It is a remarkable fact, moreover, that present-day Jews seem to be less liable to the attacks of contagious illnesses than the European neighbors, which may be due to a trace which still remains from those ceremonious practices which exercise such great influence on the physical forces and energies of the ancient Jew. Be that as it may, the practically unanimous conviction of our investigating reporters from all parts of the world is this. The disease is not infectious. Um, Okay, so whatever. It's fascinating just uh, from this medical journal in 1868. um, uh, But to see that they assumed, again, that the Torah, they were quoting the Torah, and the Jews, they assumed this was the modern-day leprosy, and it's contagious, and that's why you have all these laws. So verse goes on to prove, again, that this is all wrong, and this is all a spiritual disease, um, solely, not at all um, related to um, to any physical disease. Again, clearly, it's clear that it had physical ramifications, but the cause was not a disease, the cause was, uh, meaning there was a physical manifestation of this spiritual um, s- disease, so to speak. Yeah. Yes, so that's what I want to address. So, so it's clear that, we, listen, first of all, we don't, there's a lot of, uh, mm. 
I'm supposed to in commentaries, whenever we don't understand something, they always go, I, I use that too, sometimes in classes you might have picked it up. Whenever I don't have an answer, something say, yeah, that's Kabbalistic, it's, it's very deep, uh, esoteric, we don't understand it. So the, a lot of the commentaries do say that here, that all this stuff is something uh, very deep and esoteric that's going on here, and these processes the Torah describes at great length. But that, again, that might be true. I don't know enough Kabbalah to to uh, agree or disagree with that. Um, but but a lot of, as we're going to see, there is a clear discussion um, as to what the purpose of many of these processes were um, in, in many of the commentaries. And some do say it is contagious. It might not be, it's contagious maybe as Tuma and Tara form in the, as far as um, you could contract it from this this tuma, this impurity, whatever it was, called saras, can be contracted. That's why you have to be put away. But you're right, we're going to discuss that. Many say, and that's the, more the philosophical part, the ones that seem to be of the opinion, and I'll just say it quickly here, seem to be of the opinion that um, this was not a, an actual disease, the reason why they, they apply um, the, let's say, the quarantine was specifically for reasons of, they're saying it has to do with Lashonara. You know, you were separated from, so you separate yourself from society by demeaning other people, so we show you, by putting you in quarantine, we show you how, what it's like living without uh, society, being socially distant. So sort of a mida connected mida, meaning what we call a tit for tat, you know, it's you you know, badmouth the rabbi, and uh, you badmouth uh, the president, whoever you're badmouthing, and, and therefore we're going to show you what it's like. Um, you know, you, you think you can live without these people, without the society at large? You know, you need a rabbi in your life? We're going to show you what it's like being quarantined and being socially distant and see how that feels. Huh. Yeah, so that's one of the reasons, but we'll get back to that. Yeah, Shelley. So true. And so no one mentions the the. There's two questions you had. I'll just try to address them quickly. One is the the issue of psychological issues. You know that's hard to ascertain. I don't know psychology as we know it today didn't exist or surely not psychiatry at that time. So how they dealt with those problems, probably they didn't deal with them so well. That's that's a valid point. But um, um, but as far as public health issues, it was not the Kohanim. Kohanim's jobs, the Kohanim's jobs clearly was nothing to do with public health. Um, every, this, they dealt with issues, they even, forget about that, even issues of purity and impurity. Let's say other types of purity and impurity we find in the Torah, which is like, um, you know, uh, coming in contact with a dead body, uh, Nida, all those laws have nothing to do with the Kohanim. Even in laws of purity and impurity really have nothing to do with the Kohanim. Kohanim specifically are singled out here, and we'll, we'll try to discuss that a little, later on, just for this process of a Mitzorah. Um, so either 
if you're understanding it's an actual medical disease, it's really quite hard to understand why would the Kohanim be used for that. As that's what we're saying, some commentaries use that as a proof that it clearly wasn't a medical disease. But even if you want to say it's a Tumah and Tara issue, some type of purity, uh, you know, Tumah issue, which the Torah clearly implies, so then it's still, it's still questionable as to why... Um, why specifically would the Kohanim be involved in that process? They never were in any other Tumah and Tara process. Um, so so if, surely if it's a, a uh, what do you call it, a uh, public health issue, I don't see why the Kohanim should at all be involved. I don't know who was involved, that's a good question. Russ, what were you yeah, well, Rambam in, in Mor Nebuchim, the guy to perplex, discusses Mitzorah um, at great length and uh, this disease, and he he um, seems to imply that it's he, not. He seems he says very clearly that the reason it comes, the disease comes, is because of Lashanara. But he goes on to say um, that that the reason why the person is quarantined. He says very clearly is because we have to separate him from society, um, and uh, and because it's a contagious disease. So you know, it's, he seems to be saying both, so to speak. It's clearly, it's like we said before. It's this, the cause is spiritual. The cause might be because of a specific sin in this case, lashanara. But the um, the spiritual the sin caused this. Um, disease to come about in, a, in the ramifications and it manifested itself on the human body as a physical manifestation um, is what, he's, what I understand to be saying but he says very clearly it was contagious and the reason why he was quarantined is because it's contagious so um, so, so he clearly seems to be saying um, both so to speak okay so um, that's, the, that's the Rambam now the Ramban Fascinatingly enough, also says very clearly about in the um, this Ramban. Right here, he says Ramban Nachmanis. Still now we're talking about Rambam. Now my man is now so Nachmanis. He says interestingly enough about the quarantine. Also, he says was due to contagion. And then he goes on to say something fascinating. He says um, about the covering of the face. So let me just see if I can find it here. So yeah, I'll read it to you from the Ramban himself. He says, Amar um, He says, The scriptures say similarly regarding a Mitzorah, he shall dwell or sit in isolation. He says, His dwelling shall be outside the camp um, and does not state there as it states regarding other impure people shall go outside the camp. But he's, 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 he's uh, extrapolating that the verse says, the language is Yeshiva, Yashav, Badav, he shall dwell or sit. The word yeshiva means to sit, yashav, outside the camp. As opposed to other cases where we do find sometimes we made a impure person leave the camp, but it doesn't use that language of he dwelled there. So he says, why is Mitzorah different? He goes on to say, he says, um, for it mentions, quote-unquote, sitting or dwelling regarding the Mitzorah to convey that he is not even to walk around at all. Because he has to be outside the camp and he has to dwell there, sit in his place. Don't leave, don't go shopping. No uh, complete social distancing we find here. And he goes on to say a fascinating statement. Because his air, 
as A-I-R, and his breath cause harm, says the Nachmanides about the Mitzorah. So he's basically saying very clearly they understood that the disease can be, the contagion can be contracted through your breath, through droplets. Unbelievable. They got this before Trump, before Fauci, before everyone. They understood this, that the droplets... Um, just from his breath, you can catch the disease, and therefore he says, the Torah says, not just leave the camp, but specifically Yashav, he should sit outside the camp, he has to dwell there, no complete isolation from everything else because of the fear of contagion of his breath. And I found, um, even more so, the, I can find it quickly, the Ibn Ezra is also an early authority, i got too many books here on my table. Um, one second. Missing the book that I'm looking for. Oh, oh it's right here on top. So the Ibn Ezra says also very clearly, I mentioned before, that the verse says, He shall cover his lips. Okay? So now there also seems to be an argument here about why he covered li- his lips. But the Ibn Ezra says very clearly on this verse that he shall cover his lips, says, Fatam, the reason why you wear a face mask, so to speak. Torah is telling you, put on a face mask when you have when you have tzaras. Atam yazik piv, because we don't want the air of his mouth, his breath, harming other people. That's what he says explicitly. So he, this is the first um, documented case, at least that I know, of a wearing a face mask because of contagion, written um, almost uh, whatever it is, four thousand years ago. Ron, you have something to? You have a comment, Ronala? Okay. So, so it's fascinating. So Ibn Ezra, Ramban, they're all saying very clearly, yeah? No, okay, so that is the other reason, as we mentioned. Um, I did see the other pshat, um, the, the, the commentaries who are not going with that this is a real infectious disease, say why did he have to, as a matter of fact, Rashi understands that, and the Gemara seems to imply that, um, that he covered his head, was because he covered his, his mouth was some say he was like an, he had all the din he says he rips his clothes like an avel like a like a uh, a mourner does many of these same aspects so he was he had to be so to speak we gave him the laws of mourning again to sort of separate him from society um, but others say he did cover his lips for that reason because of he spoke Lashonara from his lips so we show him you need to work on your speech in that sense and the power of speech so we'll get back to that in a second, but that is a good, good point. But clearly Ibn Ezra is saying it's literally a contagion. Ramban says very clearly. He's sitting in isolation. Um, Ramban doesn't discuss the face mask per se, but the Ibn Ezra is saying on the words of the, the Torah says, cover your lips. The, the Ibn Ezra says because his breath is harmful, not his speech. He's not going on. He's saying you're wearing a face mask because your droplets can come out of your mouth. They can remain in the air up to 72 hours, whatever they're saying. So they figured this out. They understood this then. Ibn Ezra was, uh, I don't know what year, he lived in the 1100s, I believe. So, so it's fascinating stuff in that sense. Um, again, I, I never even seen this before about the face, but never, I just always, you know, bypass that verse. Um, there, there actually seems to be even an argument as to whether, depending on these two theories, whether the, the covering of his face came from the top down or from the bottom up. So meaning if you're learning it's an issue of mourning, Mourners would cover the air. There is a concept of a mourner um, covering covering themselves. Um, as we said, it's not done today for whatever reason. But mourners, um, in those days, what was called, they would wear 
covering over their head and part of their face. Um, for whatever reason, we don't do that today in, in someone's mourning. But uh, so in that case, the Gemara in Moed Katan discusses it would be a head covering from the top down. The mourners wore a hat, so to speak, with somewhat of their face covered um, up to their lips. The, if you're saying it's a face mask, as we're saying, to stop contagion, so then it would just be from the bottom up. And the, the, the commentaries do discuss that, that there would be a difference practically whether what type of, what's the purpose of this face mask. So interestingly enough. Um, so, uh, so let me just see what else here. Some other, so some other Rishonim here. I'm just going to read you, and I, I want to get to some of the philosophical part, but the, um, the, another aspect I just saw that, that discussing contagion, first of all, the Chizkuni is also a Rishon, and the Rabag both also say very clearly that the quarantine was to make sure there was no spread of the contagion. Um, as a matter of fact, the Rabag, I didn't understand, he's saying something about even the clothing, when you had Saras in your clothing, he says he tries to explain it with some type of scientific theory based on heat and humidity and UV rays. Something sounded like Trump in there. It was written a couple of thousand years ago. Um, but he says something about that on the clothing that it has to do with heat and humidity, um, which I didn't understand, so I'm not going to try to explain that. But the Cheskuni um, also explains it similarly, that he was sent outside the camp because this disease spreads to people that would socialize with him. He says very clearly, literally social distancing, he's discussing. He says, send them outside because anyone that would socialize with this person can come and end up having this disease. So um, very clearly stating what we know today, social distancing, although well, he didn't use that exact term, but he does we'll use the word, whoever comes in social contact with him. Um, in the Cheskuni, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but we don't see what I'm saying. Yeah, very valid point. It existed prior, but we don't see all these aspects the Torah prescribes in rigid detail about how to prevent the contagion. Where do you see that? You have the sources. You trust the internet. That's what Trump uses for his information. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. But I don't I don't know historically that they practiced these things before the Torah. I only have the Torah, right. If you find sources, that's great. But uh, but my point is here in our Torah it says very clearly in great detail um, about how, what we are doing today as social distancing, as face masks, which listen, you're right. If there's other sources, great. Where this is a Torah class. I'm showing you from our Torah how um, written 4,000 years ago. Till this disease, by the way, I think most people um, would would laugh as, as I was saying. We always made fun of the Asians who wore masks, Ebola, and all those cases. Um, until recently, uh, um, I think face masks, and even today, there's lots of derision in uh, in our great state of Texas about wearing face masks. So just to see it here in the Torah as a very clear brought in the Rishonim and early authorities saying that this is a reason to wear face masks written 3,000 years ago is, for me it's very impressive and they, are they the first ones? I can't tell you that I have no idea um, but I still think it's, it's uh, pretty amazing to see that 
in our Torah, it discusses everything we're going through today in exact detail. That's, that's my point, but it could be there are prior sources. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Oh, okay, so we're going to get to that. So I want to, so the, so just want to finish here and make sure I didn't miss anything that I wrote down. Um, yeah, so there are, so, so you're right. So there are other aspects, first of all, there's one other thing I mentioned, which is other aspects in the purification process that I saw some um, commentaries discuss. Um, that, uh, by the way, Rashi, I just pointed out, Rashi and, and the Medrash, Tagamunklis, all apply, all seem to say the face mask, the covering of the lips, has to do with mourning, as I mentioned, nothing to do with contagion. So there again, there's two sides to the coin here, as to what the purpose of the, of the covering of the lips were. I just want to make that clear, that not everyone agrees that it has to do with contagion. Um, Oh, so I mean, you, you were you were on the internet while I was doing that part. So yeah, yeah. So meaning that it, this is a practice that, um, for whatever reason, we don't do today. But uh, the Shulchan Aruch brings this practice. Shulchan Aruch says in uh, in the Laws of Mourning that a, a avel is supposed to during the shiva is supposed to cover his face. Right, so I'm saying as far as mourning is concerned, it has nothing to do with disease. Whatever the person died, if he died from natural causes, we stole the, 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 uh, the halacha requires, it says, again, it's no longer practice, but he would cover his face, um, the upper portion of his face, that's what I was mentioning before, depending on how you understand this, would be how, what type of face mask you're wearing here. Um, so, uh, so it's, yeah, so it's fascinating. It could be some other cultures or practices as well. Um, Well, Jewish women don't wear veils, as far as I thank God um, for that. Um, yeah, that's there, except for wedding. Um, so anyway, so I, I want to, so there's some other aspect so I just want to mention quickly, which is in the process, for example, the Torah in Parshas Mitzorah um, discusses the part of the purification process, they would bring a carbon of two birds, it says the bird was dipped in the blood, and then it says the bird was sent away into the fields. So I saw the, um, who was it? The Cheskuni, again, the Cheskuni is another early authority, said, says in his commentary that the reason why the bird was sent away, let me just make sure I'm quoting, yeah, he explains that, it, no, sorry, he explains, sorry, this is Rabbeinu Bachia. Rabbeinu Bachia, also an early authority. So Rabbeinu Bachia says, the reason why the bird was used in the purification process was sent to fly away in the open field, as the Torah states, was also due to the fact that saras was a contagious disease, and so the bird was sent away from the urban areas where it might spread contagion. So this is Rabbeinu Bachia, again, an early authority, says that in another part of the process that the reason that the bird who touched the blood would be sent out of the urban area because we didn't want contagion. Now, by the way, there are many who vehemently argue this, as we're saying, and state this has nothing to do with 
uh, contagion is the barbanel is very clear in that etc um, but I wanted to so, so you asked about the Kohanim mm -hmm. so the I want to read you from a more recent commentary called the Mesha Chachma so his name was Rameir Simcha of Devinsk and he says he asked this question on this parsha um, in parsha Tazria um, happens to be that I gave a class last year and I happen to remember when I was learn learning this last week so I, I looked it up I remembered something vaguely about in discussion so he says like this a fascinating thing which Shelley where are you going don't leave I, this is about answering your question even from last week I didn't forget your question of last week about um, danger to the physician so he says like this I'll just read it to you unbelievable um, so he says um, in his commentary on the Torah he says the Mitzvah is brought to Aaron the priest and his and the, again the processes were always done through a Kohanim so he asked the Meshachachma what's going on here so he starts off saying there's obviously again like we said very esoteric things going on here and he compares it to the Sar Azazel a lot of the processes were similar to, to what the, the, the famous uh, Sirim that we did on Yom Kippur, part of the service on Yom Kippur, where they sent sent them off a cliff. Very esoteric concepts, which make no sense. So he says there's a lot of stuff going on here that we can't explain. But then he says he goes on to say, maybe you could explain something." He says the Ine Anigayim. He says, "Why are we using a Kohen here?" He says the Ine Anigayim he machla mistabekes. So he says these um, this skin ailment was clearly a contagious disease. He says. So much so, he quotes the Medish Rabbah and the Talmud Ksubas that says um, that uh, the Talmud Ksubas speaks of precautions that great rabbis would take to distance themselves from those stricken by Tzaras. As uh, the Talmud Ksubas says that one refused to come closer than 100 amos, 100 cubits, another spurned food coming from the same alleyway of a mitzvah. Literally what we're dealing with today, restaurants and deliveries, says that uh, the Gemara discusses that when someone had Tzaras, there are many rabbis that majorly kept their distance. Another would not walk into an alleyway shared by a Tzaras patient. So he says, and that's why also the, to the Torah says um, the, the Mitzvah when he's walking has to announce, Tame Tame. This is what the Torah says in that very same verse where it discusses the face mask. says he would announce. So many commentaries understand that also. It's a declaration. People need to move out of the way because this guy's contagious. You need to put like a scarlet mark on, so to speak, so people should know that he has this disease. So he says, you see from that, it's clearly a contagious disease. He says, And dealing with the disease, anyone who dealt with it and had to deal with this patient, he says, is very is a danger to them. It's very dangerous. So he says, He says, Therefore, he says, um, Regular physicians couldn't be involved in this treatment. It was so contagious and so dangerous that we wouldn't allow regular physicians to, to come close to these patients because it was too great of a danger to their life. Fascinating statement. The answer, this is your question from last week, Shelley. You know, how do we deal with the danger involved in the treatment? So he's saying very clearly that this was such a contagious disease we wouldn't allow physicians or others to come and count. He doesn't say specifically physicians, but he says he says we couldn't allow anyone, just anyone to treat them. We need to have a special divine protection. The one who involved in them, he's someone who's separated and has special uh, special characteristics. That for him, the, the uh, disease would not, would not uh, he would not contract the disease. Lachani says, therefore, The Torah specifically chose the children of Aaron, the Kohanim. They're somewhat separated from the rest of Israel, 
Umishkachim Pratis Yosef, they have different laws that they keep. They have different, more stricter laws, as we know. They can't marry um, certain women. They, they can't come in contact with the dead. They have these extra, says, so to speak, merits because of uh, who they are um, and different laws. That he says that the Torah describes that they were separated. They were evil, as we know, the Kohanim entered the Kodesh Kadash and they were only ones allowed to enter the high priest and Yom um, Kippur. So he says, we see they have this specialty, and that's why the Torah shows them to deal with this contagion. Fascinating statement, sounds interesting. He gives you some other sources, but he's saying that's why we didn't allow regular people because it was too dangerous for, for the contagion for regular people to be involved. So, um, so that's a. He, he, I don't know if he's saying clear immunity, but he's saying that that the Kohen had a special um, a special immunity to some extent. Yes, I don't know if he's, they had the antibodies, but but uh, no, it doesn't say that. I don't know. He he doesn't say that, but possibly no. People, I think, if you spoke Lashonari, it could reoccur. Torah himself itself implies that it could reoccur to the same person. Right. Oh, he just stopped speaking Lashonara. That's <laughs> no, Miriam. No, she's right. Miriam. For one, at one point, Hashem does say, "Put your hand in your sleeve and take it out." Yeah, right. I think he's correct. It's a valid point. You could, when you write your parish on the Torah, your book, Shelley, we're going to include that. Um, now it's yours. That chat is yours, not mine. <laughs> I'm, I'm attributing that to you. So it's a good, it's a valid point. I want to actually say something else. I saw a different chat in, in uh, I forgot who says this, and why the Kohanim were the specific ones relating to, so we said it, one of the things, it comes from the sin of Tsarasayin, of not forgetting, not being able to appreciate someone else's success, and not, you know, it's meaning, and, and be happy about it. So it says that Aaron Akohen, Aaron, was the epitome of someone who could forget someone, meaning, as you know, the whole story with Moshe was that Aaron, um, Moshe didn't want the job. God tells him to go back to Egypt at the burning bush. Moshe says, listen, I can't speak. For, I am a terrible speaker. I have all these impediments. So God tells him, listen, let Aaron do all the dirty work. He's going to, he'll do the speaking for you. He'll speak to Pharaoh. I'll take him with you. He'll do all the dirty work. But you're going to be the leader. You're going to get all the credit. Okay? And what does Aaron say? Sure, no problem. He forgins. In many cases, as we know, even in families, unfortunately, siblings can't forgin each other. This sibling is getting, you know, is doing better, that one. Here we see Aaron, who's the epitome of forgetting, meaning he allows, he, he says, Moshe, no problem. I'll go do all the dirty work for you. I'll speak to Pharaoh, even though you're going to get all the credit. Moshe was the leader of the Jewish people forevermore. So we tell the Mitzorah, you couldn't forgin. You're someone who had this Tzorah's ayin, so to speak, we call stinginess of the eye where you don't appreciate someone else's success, we're going to show you, you have to deal, the Cohen's going to hold your hand throughout this. And he's going to go with you into, into the quarantine, he'll bring you there, he's going to declare you that you need quarantine, and he's going to take you out to show this aspect of um, 
how important it is to, to be able to appreciate another's success and not and not uh, and and be happy about it. So we don't, we're out of time. I just want to end off with uh, with so similarly. The the I just want to get back to this question of you know the face mask, which is just fascinating. A- again, a lot of these. The, the, some say again the philosophical aspect of the quarantine. If you're learning, it's not just it's not about contagion. It's also about as we mentioned before, separating this person from society. Um, sh- uh, putting him in a situation where he sees that putting down other people or having this attribute of not being happy about other success, meaning you have to be part of society, which I think is a big part that we're struggling with today um, about being locked up. Um, but uh, but it's all about, uh, it's an aspect of giving. By the way, the Torah, there's another Gemara that says that Hamitzor as if he's dead. So he lists four people that we consider as if they're dead, whatever that means. One of them is a blind person. And the common denominator, I think we discussed this in a different context a long time ago, um, Chaim Shulevitz explains, is that they're all, you can't give. They can't, the, 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 the mission of a Jew is to give, to give back to society, to give to other people. And the, all these people, a blind person says it's all about, if you can't see, it's very hard to have a relationship with someone. Relationships all have to do with sight. It doesn't say that about a deaf person. Because you can have a relationship with someone even if you can't hear. But when you can't see, it's very hard to, to understand that person, as we see. And that's, I think, a big aspect. I'm just going to get back to the face mask and wrap it up. Is the face mask also, it covers part of your face. That's why people are struggling with it. You can't see someone smiling. You can't see, you can't really interact with society in a real way when your face is covered. That's why I don't wear a burqa, right? So, so the, uh, the 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 concept of a face mask, where again, it's it's even if you're looking at it not as the contagion issue, but it's the societal separating the person, the mitzvah from society, the quarantine, and he had to wear a face mask in the quarantine, not because of contagion necessarily. The other authorities seem to be saying it's an issue of showing him. You want a social, you want to speak Lashonara, you want to be uh, stingy about selfishness, about your success. We're going to show you what it's like living on your own in quarantine, where you can't smile to people, you can't interact with them, and you're, you're social, socially distanced. And this is why I think we're struggling. We have today, thank God we have internet, we're in quarantine, but not, at least we have internet today where you could still socially interact, even if you're wearing a face mask and, and stuck at home with your wife and kids and you make sure your gun's locked up. Um, because you might kill your spouse, um, but but uh, but the point is right. So so it's uh, it's important to understand this. Uh, the Torah struggling many of these issues here. The Torah seems to have gotten it right. Whether it existed historically before in other cultures, maybe yes. But the Torah has gotten it right. Whether from the philosophical viewpoint of social distancing, social distancing, not because of contagion, but because of teaching the Mitzvah this lesson with the Kohen, etc. Or whether it's because of contagion, um, in a certain sense, seem to have gotten it right.